I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. We welcome to the show this week a new guest host, the creator and host of the Squared Circle podcast, a former WWE employee and also currently writing a murder mystery novel centered around the world of wrestling. Marie Shadows, welcome to Mid-South Moments. Hey guys, I'm Marie Shadows, and thank you for having me on this lovely, lovely podcast. No, thank you for thank you for appearing on it. So, um, first of all, Marie, what got you interested in wrestling in the first place? What are some of your sort of early memories watching pro wrestling? Well, my dad uh, had me watch wrestling at seven years old. Uh, he started me off with uh, NWA and Mid South and any other um, old territory days that he had in the house, and it just grew from there. And I tried. Uh, attending wrestling shows, um, watch any and all wrestling that I could get my hands on and just be a real student of the game, uh, no pun intended. Yeah, um, no, and it just blossomed from there. Amazing. <laughs> so what's, can you remember what your first live event was? Uh, my first live event, like, officially was uh, Ring of Honor. Okay, um, cool. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, like, you know, I started watching when I was seven, so, like, my dad wasn't really going to take me that early, but once I got old enough and was able to go with, like, friends and stuff, I was able to do that. Uh, but Ring of Honor would be, like, the first earliest, like, live event, and then it just spiraled out of control from there. Oh, okay, amazing. So, so are, you, are you sort of northeast uh, states where you are? So I guess there's probably always quite a lot of good live wrestling around where you where you are. Yeah, um, New York has uh, some good wrestling shows. Uh, there's also good wrestling shows in New Jersey as well. Hmm. Um, yeah, just those two like areas. I don't really travel as much. I wish I did, um, but I'm mainly like if I'm able to watch stuff from like other states. You know, they have my support like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, who who are some of your um, sort of favorite wrestlers when you were when you were growing up? People that sort of got you hooked in the first place. So, Ric Flair will always be number one. Hmm. Uh, then comes in Undertaker and Kane because I loved uh, their storyline and their story all together. You have you know Stone Cold and The Rock. You have Macho Man. You have Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. You had Greg the Hella Valentine. Like I don't really have like specifics specifics that I cling on to other than like Ric Flair, but. Across the board, um, you know, wrestlers, I just love watching them and, you know, love uh, uh, looking at their stories and stuff. Um, Macho Man, too. I don't know if I mentioned him. But, yeah, he's one uh, of my, he's, he's my first favorite, Randy Savage. So, so that storyline, I started watching in about, we, I saw, saw some of the rest, the British wrestling stuff here before it got cancelled on UK television, but Randy Savage and the kind of Elizabeth storyline when I was getting the early tapes was really one of the things that really got me hooked. Um, I think he was just such a, you know, such an intense, uh, and he was good, he was good as a bad guy as well, but I thought the babyface Randy Savage character was so good and I just absolutely loved him. And you mentioned Bret Hart as well. He's another one of my favorites. He, yeah. He's someone that certainly made you believe, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I actually uh, met Bret Hart once at a Ring of Honor signing. Um, I have his book um, and he signed it for me and he asked me, what did I think of his book? And I was like, oh, I didn't get the chance to read it, but I bet it's very good. Uh, the, <laughs> it is really good. Yeah, it is fantastic. <laughs> the, the, the freaking look he gave me, I was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then um, <laughs> that, and, and then that same time, my, my, my boyfriend was with me too. And we had um, one of the uh, WWF games that you could play on like Xbox. I forgot what which one it was. Mm. So he saw it. And this is the one that has uh, the cover of Vince McMahon on it. And he decided to draw uh, devil horns. Oh, and that's stuff fantastic. On it. Yeah. 
Come yeah, on, I, I, lo- I love Brett so much. I mean, I'm, unfortunately, I only ever got to see him wrestle live once, but because um, he was a lit, like you said, around when you're younger, it's difficult to sort of travel to shows and stuff. But I, w- I saw him at SummerSlam 92 against David Boy Smith, but I uh, sadly never saw him wrestle after that live. Um, yeah, I re- really liked him. Was there a time, so back, at, back, at, back around that time, um, was there a time that you ever sort of moved away from it at all because I know a lot of people w- sort of went through that when they maybe they reached sort of middle school or high school or whatever it may be and then, and then you work your way back did you did you have a period where you were kind of fell out of love with it if you like uh nope not at all um oh, wow, I wow. Break, I, yeah I break that no matter what um yeah. ever since I was uh seven years old I knew like at least two things were certain for what I wanted to do in life um, I wanted to work for WWE and um, I wanted to uh, be a writer. Those two were certain. Um, how I got there is just, you know, the, uh, the journey and both pretty worked out, you know, uh, and your fans will know more later on, but like both pretty worked out. But I never uh, fell out of love with uh, professional wrestling. I might have fell out of love with uh, TNA in 2006. Yeah, yeah. And I just couldn't understand yeah. what they were doing. But other than that, it was still like full force, going to wrestling shows, um, watching wrestling shows, you know, just stuff like that. So I never fell out. Oh, that's really interesting. I, I, I did a bit, but I felt, I felt probably, like, like you mentioned about t- the TNA thing, I fell away from WWF as it was and probably, I'll tell you what was the match that did it for me, was Bret Hart losing the title to Shawn Michaels. I, was, I just didn't yeah. like the end of that Iron Man match at all. I, did, I actually think, in hindsight, I didn't do a particularly good job in making Sean look strong there with the way the match ended. And I just went away. And it wasn't really until, I think, later that year, we got uh, an edited down version of WCW Nitro here. And that's what got me back into it. And then Steve Austin, eventually, and like the Heart Foundation feud and all that sort of stuff was really big in 97. So that was, that was something that got me back into it. So you touched on it. So let's, let's, let's talk about it now, if you don't mind. So you, you you were working with WWE for a period of time. How did you how did you find yourself in such a you know uh, such a position, um, and and what was that experience like? Well, you see, way before I talked to my coworker about like wrestling twenty four seven, and she introduced me to someone in WWE for you know to pass my resume along. Mm. I had uh, applied to WWE like twenty nine times before I finally got picked up. Wow, so- dedication. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was dedication. You know, my dad always taught me, like, if you wanted something, uh, keep going for it and, you know, just annoy them. Eventually, you know, they'll, they'll look your way. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, here in New York City, we have uh, the Spy Museum. And my coworker knew her friend who worked in WWE. And then that's how um, me and her got introduced. And um, as much as I wanted to be in the writer's room, Unfortunately, that wasn't, you know, the position I ended up in, which is totally fine. I still made it to WWE. Yeah. I worked I worked in the uh, WWE Network logging department, uh, which is basically I took care of version two of the WWE Network. And uh, I took care of all the SEO and uh, the video footage and stuff like that, uh, making sure that when you search for something on the WWE Network, you're able to find it. Um, and then obviously, you know, let WWE know certain keywords that needed to be taken out of uh, the SEO and stuff like like Benoit and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, they don't want any of that. Yeah. So it was my job to make sure that the version two came along um, in the summer. So that I must. It's interesting you say that because the, the search has got 
so much better. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you credit for that, Marie, because I think I think the original search was, was tough, but I think it actually works pretty well now. Um, so that's that's really good. What we touched on it, and this is this is a, a motive subject for for all of wrestling fans. And I'm on I'm on the side of I don't really I can't really watch his stuff. I have seen matches of his, um, but yeah, the, the Chris Benoit thing. I mean, could, could, you know, would you would you? And I don't think there's any wrong or right answer here. You know, is it is that someone that you can still watch and separate, or is it just too far? Were you a big fan of his? What's what's your sort of uh, sort of thoughts on that one? Um, I. I will always appreciate Chris Benoit, um, even if if he did it or if he didn't do it or if it was a setup. Um, we don't know. Um, the timing is all off. You know, I have my thoughts. I think that someone else uh, did it and made it look like uh, how it was found. Um, but if I watch one of his uh, matches, it doesn't. It only hurts because he's not here with us. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, he's still one of the greats to me. And that's just my own personal opinion. I'm not going to be like, oh my God, you're so bad for doing that. It's like, he snapped. Um, even when, you know, they did the whole dark side of the ring and they mentioned that his brain was already bad at four years old. Like, you can't really put all the blame on him. Like, it just happens. The same way that sometimes um, when people are born, you know, sometimes people are just different. You need to accept that they're still human. I think, yeah, I, I, I know, I know where you're coming from, but I think the thing with that is no one, no one will ever know, um, you know, yeah. that they, no one will ever know exactly what was going through the individual's minds when, when that, you know, terrible, terrible tragedy took place. I mean, I, I find it a challenge and I think perhaps it's just the unknown, but I, I don't know if you went to the WrestleMania 20 in New York, but obviously that was a big you know, Benoit celebration. Um, and I was at that flat and, go, you know, traveling to the States to see wrestling at Madison anywhere is incredible, like incredible fortuitous position, but being at MSG for any show, so let alone WrestleMania, and it's just like, oh, it just, it just, it just was such a gutting, the whole thing was just such a yeah. horrible, horrible thing. And I think that that's the thing for fans, like whatever your view is, it's, it's kind of like a, a period of history that, that, that's gone. And, and, and that is just, just the way it's, it's, it's going to be, I suppose. And, um, how to tell me about um tell me how how you found yourself and got into the the wonderful world of wrestling podcasting um (laughs) so the reason why i created the square circle podcast is because of uh hell in the cell 2019 that damn ending between the fiend and seth rollins uh really did it for me um Never in the history of professional wrestling does someone lose as a DQ in a in a hell in a cell gimmick <laughs> pay per view. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, I understand. Like, sometimes in professional wrestling, you want to rewrite the rules and be edgy and cool and fresh and whatever. But what? <laughs> it just yeah. didn't make any sense. So it got me upset. And I I told my friends that, um, hey, you know, let's start this podcast together. Let's do it. I was ready for it. And, you know, I had them on as a panel because um, I just think talking about myself is just be a little too boring. But mm. now I kind of do it on my own. Um, but, yeah, that's how I got started because I got upset at the main event of Hell in the Cell 2019. Well, um, I mean, I never really yeah. wanted to do podcasts in a way, but um, I find it enjoyable now. Yeah, no. At least that turned that quite a negative thing into a into a positive because that was. Do you know what I think? Um, a couple of my friends who who are wrestling fans in, in various sort of groups who got on WhatsApp and they were asking me to 
you know, what was my opinion of um, this weekend just gone by with the eye for an eye match with Ray Mysterio and Seth Rollins? I just, like, oh I, just haven't, I haven't got the energy. <laughs> like, I can get upset about bad booking in New Japan or AEW now because I, I want and hope and expect for a bit more. But for WWE, yeah. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just a bit, it's just a bit dead in me now, I think, unfortunately. I'm just like, yeah. I'm past the point of caring. Um, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you find yourself watching these days? Do, do you keep regularly up to date with a lot of promotions or are there particular ones that you, you know, you're more in and you dip in and out of other, other bits? So basically, after WWE let me go, um, I started to fall out of love with WWE just because of the decisions that they would make on Raw and SmackDown and, you know, the whole booking and stuff like that. Um, I'm more into AEW because after WWE let me go over here in New York City, we have this event called the Big Event. And all the EVPs were there. This is way before AEW ever got announced. And, you know, I I used the WWE money to go see them and pay for the tickets and everything and just talk with Matt and Nick about, you know, my life in WWE. They saw that I had uh, their awesome book bag that says, um, that has their names on the side along with Kenny Omega. And it says uh, the elite. And I told them that I bought that book bag with me every single day to WWE. Um, I told them that I defended them in WWE and, um, you know, just stuff like that to tell them my story a little bit. And then mm. I met uh, Cody as well, told him that I was in WWE and like, how do I get my name out there? And he's like, just show your face around the independence. And then, you know, uh, Kenny was so exhausted that um, I just remember that we just had a hug, you mm. know, because he was just so exhausted. I felt so bad for him. But um, I'm, I'm really invested into AEW. Uh, I know Saturday was Slammiversary and I decided to watch it because on uh, my Twitter timeline, there was a, a lot of uh, positive notes about uh, SummerSlam. Oh, SummerSlam. Not SummerSlam. Uh, Slammiversary. I don't, there'll, be no, there'll be no positive notes about SummerSlam. <laughs> we can look into the future no, and tell you that, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Uh, wrong thing. Please, I do not want to predict that. No. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, but, you know, Slammiversary was very enjoyable. And that's the first time in 14 years that I watched uh, Impact. Mm. Um, you know, New Japan, I'll keep up here and there um, via Twitter. Uh, but I don't have enough hours in the day to, like, actually try to watch everything in full. But, um, you know, wrestling is wrestling out there. Like, I get it. Um, I, can, I, I can analyze it better than most. And, you know, that might be just a chip on my shoulder. But, you know, it, it's one of my huge passions that is not dying. And then, yeah, no, yeah, that's I good. That. And I think you, you've got to, especially, especially yeah. as a you know a writer, and you, and and that's what you aspire to be in in, in the rest of it. So I think I think unless you believe in yourself that your opinion is 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 worthy, then you wouldn't be putting it out there into the world either in podcasting or you're looking for looking for work in certain certain genres. And I think that's that, that you know that's that's got to be. If you don't believe in yourself, I think, and you know you know I, I actually think in terms of WWE, um, I kind of. I think the challenge for them, there's lots of challenges there, but they've got five hours of television a yeah. week. Raw at three hours is yeah. impossible. I'm, I'm not sure if you had, if you picked the top 20 wrestlers in the world from the last 25 years, in, in term, and I'd say top, top, you know, everything, promos, you name it, they could do it. Yeah. I still think that three hours would be a challenge after a while because you, you burn through so much stuff. But, the, and also, I think empty arena is, is really, really difficult as well. Um, but, that all being said, I think they've. I don't see anything changing WWE while Vince is still head of creative, and I think that actually, um, whether it either 
and, and you know, it's awful to think this, but whether it comes through Vince's ill health or whether it comes through uh, Fox cancelling their Friday Night Smackdown, which I, f- I think they're going to do, because I think the USA Network needs Raw more than, more than Fox needs Smackdown in primetime, then perhaps then mm. there's a shake-up. But until then, you've got you've got people like Bruce Pritchard, and you've got what you've got uh, Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler. It's like okay, great, that's that's all well and good, but you've got all this talent in NXT. Just do something new, just do anything new, just just push someone. And then you've got Randy Orton, the big show. It's like yeah, Randy Orton's great, but we've seen it, we've seen it for fifteen years. It's like come on, guys, you just you need to move on and do something new. Um, I, I think with AEW, I thought that their their shows on the whole have been pretty positive. But again, I think they're, yeah. they're in, a, in a bit of a trap now with this empty arena stuff. And it's just like, you know, do we do a bit of comedy? Do we give too much stuff away? And I, I kind of think at this point, you just have to forget about that and just produce the best rest, just pure pro wrestling, feuds, promos, produce it. Forget there's no crowd there and just do the best job you can, I think. Um, I, yeah, um... You know, I think WWE is is scared, but I'm not going to be like scared of the competition. I think that when this whole pandemic thing happened and then we have like no crowds, it does sort of have to put you back to the foundations Mm. and the fundamentals of wrestling. Because obviously, you know, we always say that without a crowd, you know, uh, the wrestlers are nothing. But you have to think about it as if like you're, you're in a high school play or a college play and you're on stage. You know, when these actors are on stage in a play, the whole entire audience is quiet. There's no cheering, there's no booing, there's nothing. Like, you know they're there, but you have to act out this scene, you have to remember your lines, you have to be the best actor that you can be to be believable. And I think that, you know, that should have reminded Vince about like why he got into doing this whole thing and taking it from his father and whatnot, like be the entertainment part that he, that WWE should be, but don't be stupid about it. You know, don't, don't be so kiddish to think that this is what people want. Like we want a little bit more educated wrestling, so to speak, like how AEW feels. AEW feels fresh, even though they take old school stuff and like turn it on its head, if that makes any sense. No, it, it does. It does. I, I think, just think uh, that, yeah. You, um, I have criticized AW in the past, but just for like tiny things, not even like major things, like tiny things they could fix with in regards to like the women and then like certain feuds that like they miss and like how come there's no, um, like when like when one few ends, how come someone else doesn't jump in to try to, um, do try to get in there? Hold on, it says your internet connection is on table. Oh, we're good. No, I can hear you fine. Yeah, it's all good. I can hear you okay. All right, because it popped up on my end. But um, yeah, I just think that WWE should have automatically jumped on the whole thing of we got to go back to the fundamentals while like AEW is fine. But, you know, um, I'm enjoying it without a crowd on the AEW side only because, you know, the wrestlers there make it fun. But... I, I look at everything like, oh, I need to watch this match. I need to uh, understand this storyline. So it doesn't really bother me that there's no fans. Mm. I think, um, with, yeah, I, I, with uh, with um, WWE, I think that they basically, I, I just don't think that they know how to do pro wrestling anymore. And I think it's almost like it's a yeah. you know an ugly word. Like we shouldn't, you know, the pro wrestling is not, you know, we are sports entertainment. Whereas I think AEW, the strength of them, especially their first ten episodes 
They were just doing really simple pro wrestling. They were doing build the baby faces, build a match, have Jericho out there as champion versus Scorpio Sky or Darby Allen, whoever it may be, and like give them that, yeah. give, give you that moment as a viewer. You're like, well, they could maybe they are going to switch the title and they got you, and that close three count. But you just don't. I just don't think. You, I think I think WWE have been missing a trick with that for, for a long, long time. And I don't understand the thinking behind. If you're pushing a you're pushing a match on their network where where they've said that the the conclusion of the match is going to be someone's pulling the other person's eye out. But no one believes that wrestling is re- wrestling isn't re- just like lots of stuff that we watch. Game of Thrones. I don't not watch Game of Thrones because yeah, yeah. I don't believe there's a dragon. That, that, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't I'm not a believer in someone saying you know 80s wrestling was better because the fans bought it. Don't. I don't believe that. The biggest pay per view in history was The Rock and John Cena WrestleMania 28, and no one thought that was a real oh fight. God. So, you know, because people yeah. were bought in, it was a story. It was perfect, perfect back and forth. But no one bought that paper. Well, maybe one or two people did. But the vast majority of whatever that pay-per-view buy was didn't buy that because that they thought it was a legitimate fight. So it doesn't need to be. It's just got to be good yeah. storytelling. And that's what WWE haven't got. So um, moving on, Marie, what inspired you to write, uh, write a novel? Which I read the first, first piece. And I'm really interested in hearing, seeing how, it, how this, this turns out. So what inspired you to, to get involved in, in writing a book about pro wrestling? Wow. Um, I wasn't expecting you to uh, read the prologue, but cool. Uh, <laughs> I've been I've been waiting for feedback from other people and they have not given me feedback. Uh, anyway, so, so that's the problem. People are lazy, Marie. That's the problem. People are lazy on the internet. Like they, they, they consume, but they can't be bothered to um, to like give feedback on things. It's, it's, it's a problem, unfortunately. Right. Uh, all right. So, you know, I have this writing degree. Um, I got my bachelor's in creative writing and I also have the publishing certificates too. Wow. Um, congratulations. You know, That's great. Oh, thank you. Um, so basically, uh, my dad is always like, you know, you have a degree, you should use it. You know, you should be writing books by now, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I had tried to write fantasy books and whatnot, but I've always lost like inspiration along the way. Mm. So the one thing that I know, and they teach you this in school is to write what you know. What am I passionate about? Professional wrestling. And luckily the market is not saturated. So I may one day become a millionaire. Who knows? (laughs) Fingers crossed. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so originally the idea started in 2018. Um, I do have some previous uh, chapters, um, but I decided to start all over from, from scratch. Uh, I kept the same characters, just a different direction. Um, so basically the plot of this story is that you follow the male protagonist and you guys can definitely find out his name come July 23rd when chapter one hits on squarecirclepodcast.com substack.com um you follow his journey to find out whether or not his father disappeared or he died um within Ah, the business interesting yeah okay um and you also follow his love interest as well and there's going to be many you know um wrestling matches along the way many well probably many betrayals or just betrayals in general and you go through his story from the indies all the way to the big time um, just so that way he can uncover the truth. And that's basically like the main point of the story and why it's a murder mystery um, for him to find out what happened. That sounds really interesting. I really like the style of it in the first um, the first little piece that I read, read earlier on because it's like you almost... I, I don't know what I probably don't know the literary term for this at all. So I'm probably, I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's almost oh, no. like you're it's almost like you're looking at it as you're you're being told the story almost in present 
you know, present tense and you're looking at it as it's happening and you're following it and following it and following it because that's, that's how it's, it's very um, descriptive in the way that it's being, uh, you know, set out in front of you. Um, and I, I really, really like that. So I think, yeah, I'm very interested in seeing where that goes. So you've got the, you've got the full kind of storyline in, in your mind and played out. But you just got to get it down on, down on paper now, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, you know, uh, my plan is to release um, every chapter uh, going forward, um, you know, every Thursday, um, which I have been committed to. And I'm like, yay, you know, I'm, I'm good at that. Because sometimes like commitment and being and being consistent are like my two worst flaws, but I'm trying to make it work. Yeah, um, that's yeah, that's, that's good. It's tough the with these creative things, is isn't it? <laughs> It is because I could lose uh, interest at any moment, but um, the wrestling community is just as supportive for this to be a thing, you know, as I am wanting to complete it. Mm. Uh, the only thing is that, um, so I write on Substack. Substack is a simplistic newsletter that lets me focus on the writing and not so much of the perks like Patreon. So that's why I consider it to use Substack more. Substack is like a three-year-old um newsletter in the game of uh, uh, newsletters out in the internet world, if that makes any sense. So um, chapter one and chapter two, all free. But if you want to continue to support, there is a paywall where it's currently on sale um, for the whole entire year. Uh, so you'll pay 250 a month rather than $5 a month or $30 a year rather than $60 a year just to support me to get your name in the credits, uh, to get the ebook plus audiobook delivered to you and, um, uh, and read exclusive stuff. Great. Well, we will, we will tweet out the links. Copy, Sorry, carry on, Marie, carry on. That one's for lawyer readers and that's eight. I was just going to be like, I'm a one woman army doing this whole thing by myself, which is uh, the writing, the editing, the voiceover and all that kind of stuff. Um, no, that's great. You know, but that's what you get for this, for this adventure. We will tweet all the links. I need to plug it in early, but. Yeah, no, no, that's all good. That's I was going to say at the end, we'll put the links in as well. And also <laughs> I will tweet out all the links and stuff when the, when the show's released, which will be on Friday, which I can't think of the date of at the moment, but I will tweet that all out. Oh, cool. So that's fantastic. Um, So you mentioned at the start, actually, so you've sit, so this is not your first experience of seeing Mid-South by the sounds of things. You, you've, you've watched some of this promotion previously by the sounds of things. Yeah. And I've also uh, had the honor to watch it at WWE too, because we, we were just going through like all, all the programs that they have oh that that's that's really fantastic so it's really interesting because because quite a lot of the hosts have never seen this before so it's really interesting to speak to someone that actually you know is somewhat familiar with it so let's let's move on to the the episode so this is the august 4th 1984 episode of mid-south wrestling um and this did you watch the youtube version or or the network version of this um, I watched the uh, YouTube one. Yeah, uh, cool. the link you gave me, and I have notes. Fantastic, because that that is so. The network versions, as you you know, are a lot cleaner and a lot better picture quality. But the thing they lack, sadly, yeah. is the original music, which does add quite a lot to these uh, to yeah. these shows. <laughs> um. So yeah, definitely. Uh, um. Yeah. 
So there's something very exciting at the start of this episode. Um, we have a new opening sequence and new music. Um, so this contains various shots of Mid-South stars um, with some nifty 80s special effects. Um, there's Bill Watts slapping Jim Cornette, plus an angry lady shouting at presumably a dastardly bad guy. Um, there's Boyd Pierce smashing his desk in delight with a big smile on his face. I think that Bill Watts just cracked a good joke. Uh, and there's a close-up of Hacksaw Jim Duggan standing in front of a Stars and Stripes flag. A shot of Terry Taylor topless as usual from his video package and much more. Um, Jim Ross is at the desk with Joel Watts and Ross says that he's excited seeing the new opening and tells Joel that he did a great job. Um, Joel, who looks a little bit windswept in the breeze of the Irish McNeil Boys Club, says that he had a lot of fun and great help from Ron Toma, a director at KTBS, and he'd like to thank the rest of for, for providing the action. Um, so what did you think of this very 80s uh, title sequence with a bit of deep bass in the background while it went through? Um, I mean, it gets you up to speed. Um, it feels a lot different, but you can see how other organizations would... Uh, take inspiration from Mid-South and like all the rest of the territories in the beginning um, to do video packages. Yes. To be like, yep. hey, last time on, you know, this uh, episode, what was this happened? You know, this fight broke out and blah, blah, blah. You know, um, at the time it was a very innovative Oh, absolutely! Uh, do you know what I thought? I thought this um, this didn't age too badly. This uh, this this opening se- se- sequence at all. I mean, it's a little bit you know eighties cheese, but I, I thought it went it worked pretty well. Um, so Watts goes over the TV main event, which is the Junkyard Dog and Hacksaw Jim Duggan challenging the Midnight Express for oh the South Tag Team titles. <laughs> so you sort of excited when they said that this this is one of the, this is one of the matches that were on this uh, this show. Um, I mean, when I watched the uh, the match. Um, automatically, I was like, "Wow, the the uh, psychology is completely different from today." Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, the psychology is different. The other thing too is that like uh, Hacksaw and Junkyard Dog came out to Queens. Another one bites the dust. Yep. And I yep. was like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, I'm like you know, I I know in the indie circuit, like lots of uh, young kids will have uh, modern music. You know, whether it's rap or rock or whatever it is, but like. I didn't know that was going to be a thing. I was like, wait, did someone put that in this video? Or like, did they really come out to it? Oh, no, so they I, really came out to it. And they didn't pay a dime for any of these rights either. So they really did come out to it. Um, there's a bit oh, of an odd... Man. Yeah, there's a bit of an odd um, odd sort of following here. So what Bill Watts is just sort of obsessed with talking about this happening at the uh, what would have been the LAE 1984 Olympics. And he says that an American in the 136-pound category in, in his favourite sport in Olympics, wrestling beat a Canadian three to nothing and then feel the organization yeah. government. Does, is this a thing? Is this a story that you remember from the time? Because I, I tried to look this up, but I don't know if this is like uh, a big scandal. No, <laughs> no, I'm going to, I'm going to say no. I was just going along with him. I was like, what does this have to do with like uh, Terry Taylor's match? Yeah, like, exactly. It was, it was really strange. It? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> he, he said that he lost the opportunity. So basically this American uh, wrestling, if it's lost the opportunity to go forward to a gold medal because uh, this, this organization that governed it overturned the, the thing. So I, I suspect he probably did something wrong in this, but Bill Watts just ignored that. Uh, so Watts wants yeah. to add one thing. Mid-South will never reverse a decision in the ring based on a videotape. Whatever happens to him stays in the ring. 
Um, so yeah, this is a bit bit odd start from what's here. Um, then they go on to talk about um, Terry Taylor having won the TV title, which actually the, it's not a belt; it's a medal. Uh, again, yeah. with the, with Olympic year, basically that was the that was the theme of the, the tournament. Um, so he won it fair and square in the Superdome, but Steve Williams had taken it away from uh, Krusha Khrushchev, the future demolition smash that is. Um, and then they had uh, they thought they were friends, but Steve Williams had not given the medal back. Basically, they recap the segment, um, and in the end, we finally get the medal back of. On, um, Terry Taylor here um, Watts presents Taylor with the title and he cuts a pure babyface promo saying it's been a long road they did it the hard way but he's going to try and defend it for all these fans um, again quite a lengthy segment here with quite a lot of recap uh, what did you think of this uh, you know this whole this this is a whole and um, did this get your get you as a you know seeing this the first time not f- maybe the f- few episodes before it did it get you interested in a Terry Taylor Dr. Death feud here um, no, because I was still confused as to why Bill Watts was, like, <laughs> continuing to talk. Yeah, fair, um, fair, fair, absolutely but, fair. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, you know, I was watching, like, the matches and stuff like that. Um, I was smiling the whole entire way. I was just like, oh, my God, this is so old school, like, you yes. know? Um, it definitely got, like, a, a pop out of me from, like, start to finish. Excellent. So back from the break, uh, we have uh, Mid-South newcomer Rocky Smith going up against Hercules with Jim Cornette. Uh, Boyd Pierce is the ring announcer and he's wearing a fantastic navy suit with red pattern, which is a solid 7.75 in the Boyd Pierce fashionometer. Um, Cornette gets on the mic and says that he agrees with Mid-South for once and they have said that anyone that uses weapons and then runs through... Uh, sorry, he said that anyone that uses weapons is going to be fined and then he runs through the baby faces he accuses of using them. He added that he doesn't yeah. agree that he should be suspended but if he uses... if he doesn't, be, he doesn't agree that he should be suspended if he uses a tennis racket because how could a tennis racket ever hurt anyone? But in the interest of fair play, he will go with it. He also adds that he'll be doing commentary on this match so that we get an unbiased opinion on Hercules. Uh, what do you think of Jim Cornette here? Oh, man. Um, it, put a, it put a smile to my face. I do know that he's not like the internet darling because no, of the yes. stuff he says. Yes. But, you know... It was just like old school Cornette that made sense as a manager. He knew what he was doing. He knew how to build up uh, hypes and feuds and stories and even the guys that he worked with, you know? And he always had this chip on his shoulder whenever he was like, oh, well, if you want to enforce like these rules, that's fine because like I have a tennis racket. That's not going to hurt nobody, you know, but still do underhanded tactics, get away with it, the loopholes. Um, you know, he, he was, he's a, he's still a smart man. It's just yeah. that when he says this, he puts his foot in his mouth and it's like, bro, like, you know, just relax on what you're saying. But I completely back in the day, agree. Yeah, I completely back agree. Back in the day, he was, yeah, he was the driving force to make the teams that we talk about today and even the single competitors that we talk about today. But the problem with Cornet, I think, is that, um, if you've seen it, you know, the one that Dark Side of the Ring, he really let himself down on was the Brawl for All one because the stuff at the end I had to turn off because it was so, it was cringeworthy, the stuff with him and Russo. But he, he's yeah, a very, intelli- very intelligent guy um, and he speaks so much sense, such a character, so, you know, so many positives, but he just let, he's let himself down over the years and he's got these personal grudges with individuals and they just happen to be in positions of power in, you know, the number two promotion in the States now. And it's just like, I think there's, he's got this following that, you know, pay for his stuff and that, you know, probably provides him with a, with a, with a living. And it's a bit, it's, it's, I mean, he calls it cult of Cornette, doesn't it? And it's a bit like that. It's like, 
you know, drink the Kool-Aid that I'm, I'm sharing out. But it, it's like you have to be, when I'm nearly 40, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, well, actually, wrestling was better in my day. Wrestling wasn't necessarily better in, like, 1988 or 89. There was great stuff then. But, you know, Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada was, you know, two years ago. Like, that's the best wrestling I've ever seen. So it's not that you, you have to move with the times, I think, and you have to appreciate things in their setting at the time and be able to have an open mind. And I think that's the thing where he lets himself down. If he didn't do that, he'd probably be employed. You know, they give, you know, the merry-go-round of people that are employed by wrestling companies, I'm sure he'd probably have a high-powered job with somebody right now at the moment, but he doesn't, obviously. Um, so, uh, back, sorry, go ahead. Um, definitely, I agree with that. Um, I mean, personally, like, I enjoy wrestling, but, like, there's certain things that I don't enjoy and there's certain, like, moves I don't really enjoy, but, you know, I'm not going to take to Twitter and, like, bash them for it. Like, you know, I get it. Some people like um, really stupid things and some people don't, you know? It's not my uh, territory to be like, oh, you're wrong, you know? I'm yeah, yeah. What I like. Yeah, I agree. So uh, Ross is on his commentary and he's great sarcastically saying that he will have the privilege of having Cornette with him. Cornette talks about Hercules' submission move from last week and that is a version of a sleeper that is even more dangerous oh than usual. God. What do you think about this? This is, uh, and, and he says this deadpan, doesn't he? This is not an attempt at comedy from Cornette. This is him trying to, you know, put across how dangerous this move was, I thought. You know, what, what, how did you sort of read this? So, like, he built it up, like, as if it was, like, a really super move that, like, you know, um, it's very dangerous. Mm. But the first time that I heard him explain it, I was like, uh, like, did he do research before going on commentary so he could say that? Because it was just way too on point. Oh, I think, yeah. He mentioned the uh, the name of the move last week, uh, which I'm not going to attempt to pronounce, but he... Yeah, I, you know, when he first started saying this, I was thinking, is this is this comedy here? And then he carried on and carried on and carried on. It's like, this wasn't comedy. This was like, this was an attempt in 84 to get Hercules over as an absolute killer with this move that just like makes people pass out. And it's actually the million dollar dream, isn't it? The move what is what it is. Yeah, that's uh, what I was like, wait a minute, yeah. I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's what it is. Uh, but Hercules is an interesting one because he's, he's uh, obviously, I'm sure you're familiar with him in his WWF run later on, but he's looked great in the Mid-South stuff I've seen, it, even though this one was only only two minutes. What, what did you think of this this, yeah. uh, this short encounter? Um, I just I just have in my notes squash match. Yes. And then uh, Hercules <laughs> Hernandez is the, is the winner. Like, man, I was just like, okay, squash match. All right, cool. Yeah, and that's it. That's it, really. And that and that is part, part of the course, really. So especially the, um, the storyline... Te- sort of techniques and tropes in Mid-South, the, the heels tend to win their squash matches in a bit more brutal fashion than the baby faces. So yeah. the, the enhancement ones, because in the, in, the, in the baby face enhancement matches, they tend to let the enhancement talent have a, you know, have, a, have some offense so the baby faces can do a comeback. They don't really do that so much in, in the heels, which is, I do understand. Um, so back from the break, we are with uh, Jim Ross and Joe Watts at the desk. Ross says that wrestling has to have rules and that Mid-South do their best to uphold these rules. He says that wrestlers sometimes ask for special rules and in that instance, both set of wrestlers have to agree to them. So special matches, no disqualifications, etc. We then throw to an interview with Watts and Sonny King who was injured last week. 
He says, sorry, two weeks ago, he says that when uh, he got into wrestling in the 60s, it seemed like it was out of control. Um, he then added, Watson's obviously been watching a lot of the Olympics. He said he was watching the Olympics the other <laughs> night and the commentator said that gymnastics had outgrown its scoring. Um, Watt yeah. says, Joe Watt, actually off topic, but the LA Olympics in 84 is my earliest ever memory. So there we go. I was about, I think I was just on round three at the time. So yeah, that's uh, that's the first thing I can ever remember in life. I don't think uh, Team GB did particularly well in that Olympics, certainly. Um, Watt says that over time, wrestlers have always looked for that final match to settle the score once and for all, whether it be no disqualification or another stipulation. Um, there was a Texas death match in the 70s. Um, there was the Brass Knuckle Championship and so on. And he runs through the very new matches um, and all and as all were introduced the risk increased uh, they go back and recap the big angle from two weeks ago with the melee when Sonny King was injured again um, and this was recapped extensively it's just now the third time they've aired it and um, what said that King did the most noble thing he sacrificed himself for his brother and as a result he's been on the shelf for three weeks so King basically saved Hacksaw Jim Duggan and he ended up getting injured um, so King I thought looked really cool in his hat and sunglasses here and I thought this promo was really really strong um, he says something really interesting as well he says that people ask him whether what he does on TV is real um, and he adds that he sat there with a dislocated shoulder and he's living and his, his livelihood is down the drain and this is for real did you did you pick up on that I mean I thought that was quite interesting that they you know they went well they went with that in 1984 to be even even questioning on any wrestling let alone a Bill Watts show whether this was real or not I thought that was really interesting um, I thought that was amazing for him to say that um, it added to the valid the validity all right, it added, it added to the realness. Yes. I, yep. I, I, bet, I bet people are going to comment down and say I can't talk right. But anyway. I've mispronounced the word debuted and debut about 18 oh, times this podcast. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, but it added to the realness, and I really respect that and applaud at the fact that he was like, you know, people ask me this is real. I got a dislocated shoulder. And I was like, yep, go ahead. Yeah. That's That's great. Yeah, he took a risk here and it worked, didn't he? And he, he carries on. Yeah. He realised what was going on. He felt it was the right thing to do. He likes Jim Duggan. He doesn't blame him for bringing the board in in the first place. Um, Watt says they can't stop situations like that happening, but he reconfirms that there will be a $10,000 fine if anyone brings in a two-by-four, steel chair, chain, dog collar, or tennis racket. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he and hits someone with it unless it's an agreed match. Um, so Watt's asked King when he thinks he'll be back, and King adds that it's a secret between him, him and his doctor, um, but he's going to show up to all of, his, all of the arena he'll be there and he'll t and, and at some point he'll take his chance um, I just thought the King spoke really really well here um, and while I haven't been super impressed with his in-ring work uh, this was a really great and likeable promo from him and I thought Watts was good in his role as well what did you think of this overall? Uh, with uh, Watts being the interviewer, in, in oh no, just just what, more more what Sonny, more Sonny King's performances. I thought I thought he came off really really well in this interview. Oh uh, yeah, um, he definitely did. Um, I was like. This is uh, really amazing to hear. Um, you know, at least somebody believes that it's real. Like, if you believe your character and you believe what happens, uh, the crowd gets behind you. Um, you know, the crowd from, uh, what is it, uh, 1984 is a lot different from 2020, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The, the crowd believed in, you know, the crowd is definitely going to go behind him. And obviously, he's a baby face, um, you know, uh, but then again, you know, you really can't stop these guys from bringing in like weapons and stuff. 
No, I think <laughs> we're, we're, we're no, we're, exactly. We're, we're, I mean, this is this is a um, so they're, they're promotional tools here. The, the bit that's missing, and we talked about this on the podcast before. The bit that's missing, unfortunately, from these shows is you don't get the localized promo. So you just see, you see the body of the the, the television show, but in in and out of the breaks, you'd have got local promos for the arena matches. So they would have been pushing. Uh, they'd have been pushing like at the break. Well, Sonny King makes his return in a new no disqualification match with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Junkyard Dog versus Hacksaw Butch Reed, yeah, Buddy yeah, Landon, yeah. or someone. So that's the bit that's sadly missing. But that that's where this is leading to in the kind of just in the pre pay per view era, basically. Um, so next up is the Fantastics versus Bob Owens and Tim Horton. Um, shout out to Bobby Fulton, um, who's suffering through some really challenging times now health-wise. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday the 21st of July. Um, so hopefully by the time it airs um, later this week, things will have moved um, in the right direction and we'll have some positive news. Um, but yeah, best wishes to Bobby and family and friends. Um, so the Fantastics are out to a great reaction to the sharp-dressed man, ZZ Top theme, and they have white yeah. tuxedo jackets on. Yeah, another another real real interest music here, which is great. I tell you what, Marie, if you want to see a video package... Uh, go back one week from the, the number I sent you and watch the last probably five or six minutes and you've got a video package on the Fantastics which has to be seen to be believed. It made my, I did a show a few weeks ago with my nephew who is mid-twenties and he's like a proper millennial and doesn't really understand what the 80s was um, and he was just horrified yeah. by it but it was incredible. You've got, you've got to see it. Um, so on commentary, what says that the Fantastics are fantastic athletes and they remind him of Kerry Von Erich who got a raw deal in losing the NWA world title in Japan to Ric Flair and he wishes him luck in the forthcoming rematch. Um, Flair was actually advertised for this show last week um, but seemingly is not going to appear. Um, in the middle of that, Fulton hit his opponent with an awkward looking power slam before Rogers came off the ropes with a splash for the win in one minute. Again, not very much to this. Do you have any, any thoughts on this? Uh, perhaps in your notes might just say squash match again which is certainly what this was. Um, actually, it really doesn't say squash match. It just says athletic but um, mm. I noticed that um, you know, during like modern times, we'll tell the young guys to slow down because um, if you're athletic and you want to get in all of your spots, all in, uh, get in all of your moves to get over and stuff like that, you know, sometimes timing could be off. And definitely in this tag match, the timing were off for like certain moves that uh, the Fantastics would hit. And I'm just in my head like, slow down, yeah. you know. He's like, you know, he's coming right at you. You don't have to do the drop kick like that second or whatever. Like, just, just relax, guys. Um, but overall, it was a very fast-paced match. A bunch of um, athletic moves. Uh, not too much with the uh, ground techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, you know, the crowd was into it because, you know, they cheered for the Fantastics. So I guess, you know, the Fantastics are over. They, they, yeah. they, they did, they did that. <laughs> Um, and that they hadn't been at, that actually hadn't been around for all that um, all that long at this point. Um, they Bobby Fulton and uh, work Bobby Fulton debuted in, in seventy eight, but actually didn't work all that much and all that regularly until really nineteen eighty, and then it then took a break and was back in eighty two. So he, um, he they're probably fairly early in their careers here still. So that's that's maybe one of the reasons why some of these were a little bit rough, and it was actually in their previous match as well. Um, so uh, Steve Williams versus Rick McCord is up next. Um, Ross again said that he wanted to wish Kerry Von Eric all the best in the rematch. 
uh, that he has upcoming yeah. against Ric Flair. Um, so this is really interesting. Um, so he said that Mid-South are instrumental in securing a neutral venue for this rematch. So the Mid-South is not part of the NWA, um, but they had a, a bit of a working relationship with them. So what what's he's yeah. referring to here is there's a title change that actually took place um, at the All Japan Grand Champion Carnival 2 Day 5 event in Yokosuka, Kanagawa, Japan. Hopefully I haven't butchered that too much. On May the 24th, uh, it's under right. Yeah, well, thank you. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this was after Kerry defeated Ric Flair in the, in the famous match at the May 6th uh, Texas Stadium David Von Erich Memorial Show. Um, so Kerry and Rick, I had a look up, look at this, and Kerry and Rick did rematches in St. Louis in June, Kansas, World Class in San Antonio, and back in St. Louis, all in July, which were all 60 minute, sorry, June and July, which were all 60 minute draws. Um, and thereafter, they, they did a, a run of matches in Mid South, so for the NWA World Title, which is, was fairly rare. Um, so that was at the Superdome, Little Rock, Myriad in Oklahoma, and also Tolstra, Oklahoma as well. Um, so clearly, these mentions were to build up this run of shows, and I'm guessing this obviously was negotiated between Mid South and the NWA at the time, and perhaps a bit of a favour to get Kerry and Rick in for a run. Um, certainly. So um, while this is all going, there wasn't too much action in the ring, um, with Williams running through McCord in just under two minutes. Another really short match yeah. um, with his stamp, stampede yeah. power finish. Um, any thoughts on this? Uh, another short one here with um, with Williams and McCord. Uh, no, all I have is uh, Doctor Dusty Williams is the winner. Yes, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, and he he is going on to um, there's a, there's a Superdome show show a couple of weeks after this, and he's going on to challenge Terry Taylor. So so that they're keeping that feud alive for sort of big upcoming shows. Um, so up next, here we go for the Mid South Tag Team Championships. J- JYD and Hacksaw Jim Duggan challenging the Midnight Express with no disqualifications. Um, Cornette grabs the mic and says that Boyd looks like an explosion at a fireworks plant. Um, and he adds that they are privileged tonight to see the best tag team title match they ever will. He tells Boyd to hold on as Crusher Khrushchev got in the ring and it appears that cash was handed over. Um, Cornette then got on the microphone again and said that he doesn't need his bodyguard at ringside tonight. Um, he then calls the Midnight Express the number one cause of divorce today in America, which made me laugh a little bit. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, oh did that get you on what? as well? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> But you know, you, you say you basically say whatever to get heat, right? Yeah, exactly. And and, and I know? think it's funny we, we, we talked about this uh, on the show last week, where um, in the Fantastics videos, they're, 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 there's a bit where they're but they're basically kissing a couple of girls, <laughs> and one of the, my uh, Dan the co-host last week noticed that one of the girls had a wedding ring on, or one of the ladies had a wedding ring on, um, and he and we we sort of went back and forth and wondered whether that was deliberately there and it was supposed to show that the Fantastics were like you know, breaking up marriages, but we kind of concluded, well, actually, that wouldn't be a babyface move in 1964. That might have been a babyface move in 1998 in the Attitude Era, but certainly not then. And I think in terms of, if someone said this about a tag team today, I think that probably would get a cheer. But actually, back then, you're absolutely right. That's just a, basically a hate-seeking missile there from Jim Cornette. Um, so out come the tag team champions to their usual yeah. theme. Um, Eaton this time, so last week, the robe that the, the vest that Eaton had on, Condry was wearing. So they've obviously done a bit of an exchange of clothes, which is quite nice. Um, and this this goes on slightly unusually long before, um, as you mentioned earlier, one another one bites the dust hits, and the challenge has come out to a really strong reaction from the crowd. Um, so uh, Boyd reconfirms that this is no disqualification. You can almost feel that the finish is going to be a little bit screwy from the outset here. Um, so this is there's quite a lot going on in this one, but basically this breaks down at just over five minutes, all four men in the ring. Cornette threw powder in JYD's eyes as Hacksaw continued fighting on. The referee took a spill to the outside during this, this, these, these moments, basically, and JYD on the floor fights yeah. back at Condry. 
Um, in the <laughs> ring, Cornette tried to hit an elbow on Duggan, but missed. And Duggan holds Cornette by his neck until Hercules comes in with the coal miner's glove. <laughs> Uh, which is, uh, I think there was yeah, a coal yeah. miner's glove match between, was there a coal miner's glove between Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan back in the day in WCW? Or have I, oh, I dreamt that. I don't know, man. I would have to look that one up. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I think they had a few weird stipulations. I would um, definitely have to look that one up. Yeah, but basically in the end, uh, obviously Hercules hits him with the, with the coal miner's glove, but Duggan that is, um, and Eaton makes the, the pin to retain the titles in seven minutes. Um, so what do you think of this? A uh, lot going on in this one. What do you think of this Mid-South Tag Team title match? Um, I enjoyed it from start to finish, even though I was picking out uh, certain things that I was like, um, well, Duggan didn't really sell much. Yes. Um, it yeah. felt like a really high stakes uh, match. Um, the story was all there. You know, um, I actually felt it was the main event. I got fooled. Yes, uh, but yeah. it felt like it felt like a main event match. Um, um, I really like enjoyed it. Uh, you know, just tiny little things that for some reason, when uh, somebody from the Midnight Express were to um, hit Duggan in the in the thigh with a kick, Duggan wouldn't sell it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, bro, he hits you, he hits you in the thigh. At least take a knee and like punch him in the stomach to make it look like you know it's good. <laughs> Yeah, but, um, it's interesting. Other yeah. That, like, other than that, I was so involved in the story. No, that's, I, that's good. You know, don't know what happened like previously. I was like, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Good, well, that's excellent. I mean, I think I think Duggan's an interesting one because he he's super popular, but his work's not all that good. And and JYD is kind of the same, really. Um, but yeah, oftentimes I'll put the, the kind of television main event either halfway through or maybe in the the, the third quarter of the show, um, and then they can have an angle afterwards or whatever. And if there's a fill-in match, they need to have, they do. Uh, and that's what we get here. So there's a standby match with Buddy Landell and Kasha Khrushchev um, against Pretty Young Things who come out and slap hands with the crowd despite there being very little television time remaining. Um, and Ross reiterates that point. And, and I actually quite like this when they when they do this. They do sort of put over the fact yeah. that um, the time is, is is advancing rapidly and they haven't got much time left and the competitors know to get a win, they've got to get on with it. Um, Ross says that next week we have a special feature, a workout with the North American champion, Magnus Hill, which I personally can't wait for. Um, and all four men looked, I thought they looked pretty good here. Um, and they're, they're, you know, they're, like you said about their firing moves, there's a great drop kick from Coco Ware um, and, and Landau looks fantastic as well. Um, and eventually this, this ends in a TV time limit drawn, goes off the air with the men fighting um, at three minutes. Um, so that's it. The August 4th, 1984 episode of Miss South Wrestling is in the books. Um, I thought this was decent, advanced some storylines, not, not, uh, a blowaway show but certainly um, you know very passable what did you think of this uh, this show overall um, overall uh, it's the structure is completely different uh, before the time it definitely worked and I see that you know a lot of the wrestling shows that uh, we watch today so like WWE AEW uh, TNA slash Impact Ring of Honor you know Every single wrestling company took inspiration from either Mid-South or any other territories back in the day to create their show. Um, Mid-South is very innovative with it uh, in terms of like, um, you know, you'll listen to the commentators. The commentators carried the whole entire show. They built up each and every single person there. They built up the stories. And then you have Bill Watts being the interviewer and, you know, also building up other things and trying to uphold the fact that professional wrestling is real back in the day, that professional wrestling is considered a sport you know all these athletes do these amazing things and this is why you should watch this is why we should have rules and regulations so that way people don't get hurt 
Um, it's an all round fun show to watch, even if like you don't watch the previous episodes or even episodes after that. And you're like, ah, I can see myself just watching this one uh, uh, episode, you know, this one show. Um, what got me, what got me was when um, they went to like, I guess, commercial break. Yes. And they would be like up next is these two wrestlers fighting. And, you know, that's always like a cool thing. But now we have it like way cooler um, in modern times. But back then, that's like groundbreaking in a way, you know, to be like, hey, up next, guys, is this wrestler versus this wrestler. So stay tuned and whatnot. Yeah, um, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, overall, you know, Miss South was one of the innovators leading, you know, the wrestling charge along with everyone else. Uh, so if anyone out there that really wants to just be a student of the game and watch professional wrestling, there's no there's no wrong or right reason to not watch uh, Mid South. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think I think these these episodes work as a st- on, a, on a standalone. And I think also they're probably quite. Uh, I one one someone on Twitter told me that right at the start of lockdown they binged about twenty of these episodes in a row because they're so easy to watch. Um, I think there's a lot to be said yeah, for yeah. when Mid South gets it right, they and they do mo- the majority of the time. They explain things. They 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 don't leave gaps in the storyline. They don't oh, they leave do. holes, and that, and that is just I think that's so important in any any storytelling. And and, it, and I've heard before. Well, it's only you know it's only wrestling, so you know we don't have to worry about that. Although they forgot, well, we don't forget. Wrestling fans don't forget. We want the minutiae. We want the detail, and, and I think that's what Mid South does. And uh, Marie, thank you so much for your time. So where can people find you? Uh, Twitter, podcast, and also more about your novel. All right, cool. So um, I am on Twitter. If you guys follow me at Marie underscore shadows, that is where I talk to everyone and anyone mostly uh, during the day or whenever. Uh, If you read my novel in progress, you could definitely go to squaredcirclepodcast.substack.com and um, all the information there will be listed of how you can watch it listen and also read so there's like the two main stuff fantastic and i will tweet all those links out um, later this week when, uh, when the podcast drops as well so marie thank you so much for your time again um, and hopefully we can do this again in the future definitely of course man anytime thank you for having me it was great Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Mid-South Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments, and I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.